Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Canadian Revolution. Uh, this is a podcast by put on by Fightback, the Marxist voice of labor and youth in Canada. Now, some people may find the title of this podcast a bit surprising. You know, a revolution in Canada? Really? Uh, we are not, now, we're not suggesting that we are currently having a revolution in Canada, but uh, a revolution doesn't come out of nowhere. And a revolution is also something that is not, cre- it's not created simply by revolutionaries. Uh, a revolution, we firmly believe, is created by capitalism. And we live in a revolutionary era brought upon by the crisis of the capitalist system. And we see unprecedented social upheaval everywhere. Uh, and we firmly believe that the capitalist system is creating the conditions for a revolution. Yes, even in Canada. So the point of this podcast is to week in, week out, analyze uh, what the great Russian revolutionary Leon Trotsky described as the molecular process of socialist revolution to provide a Marxist analysis of events of the class struggle, political upheavals, uh, the polarization uh, of Canadian society and internationally um, to help us prepare for revolution. Now, my name is Joel Bergman, uh, and I have here with me uh, Alex Grant, um, who is an editor with Fightback magazine. Um, I don't know, Alex, do you want to do you want to help me explain a bit what this podcast is all about? Yeah, thanks, Joel. This is a fantastic opportunity to have really timely analysis of Canadian politics and international politics as they relate to Canada. Like, for example, uh, Ukraine a couple of weeks ago and the rank hypocrisy of uh, Canadian imperialism and analysing that every week to give class fighters, young people, trade unionists, workers the answers at the tip of their fingers to be able to analyze what's going on and give the answers and and not just ideas floating in space ideas linked to organization ideas linked to militancy because ideas on their own can achieve precisely nothing you must be part of an organization that can put make those ideas into a materialist force and that's why the international Marxist tendency exists. That's why fight back exists. Uh, La Reposte Socialiste in Quebec. That's why we exist. And, and, and this week, yeah, we're going to be talking about the so-called truckers convoy, the, the blockade that's going on. So in a sense, in our f- very first episode, we're not so much talking about this week in the Canadian Revolution, but we're talking about this week in the Canadian counter-revolution. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, I, I, and, and I think we'll take it from there. Excellent. Yeah, so, uh, well, something that Alex said, these, this isn't just a, a discussion, uh, before we get into it here, this isn't just a discussion. Uh, uh, it's also a discussion to, to organize. We're, we're active participants in the class struggle in Canada. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, I encourage you to go to our website, marxist.ca or marxist.qc.ca in French, uh, subscribe to our paper and yeah, join us uh, and get involved for the fight for social in the fight for socialism. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll get right into it then. Um, yeah, as Alex mentioned, we're going to be discussing this uh, so-called freedom convoy uh, that's really dominated the, the news in Canada in the past couple of weeks. Um, and this, yeah, this to give people background, if you don't already know, this basically started around uh, the vaccine mandate for truckers crossing the U.S.-Canada border, um, which is actually, a, it is a small minority of truckers. The vast majority of truckers are all uh, uh, vaccinated. Uh, but the, the, the basically right-wing forces, far-right forces, the Wexit Party, the Maverick Party, uh, PPC, uh, the, the People's Party of Canada, uh, uh, even some Nazis, white supremacists, forces ha- ha- grabbed onto this as something that they could get certain amount of support on. And they organized this truckers convoy. Uh, and they, they brought in a, a significant amount of people actually uh, to, to go to Ottawa and blockade and demand the, the withdrawal of all COVID restrictions. Um, so yeah, this is basically uh, what the truckers convoy and it, and it's spread all over, all over different towns uh, uh, in Canada. And it's really become a, uh, you know, they had protests in, in, in Toronto and in Ottawa, uh, uh, all over uh, Alberta uh, and different parts of the country. Um, so, yeah, really, this is what the truckers convoy is. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, Alex, do you want to give us some more information on, on what this uh, so-called truckers convoy is about? 
Yeah, well, they're not really truckers. Let's let's be let's be upfront about this. This is the broader uh, anti-vax, anti-mandate movement. And I, I don't think they're even pretending to be a truckers movement anymore. The the issue of the the border uh, mandate has become so very minor for them, and it's kind in in certain extent it's kind of irrelevant that the the American side has got the same vaccine mandate. So you could go one way, but you can't go the other way. So what's the point? And, but it's become morphed into this big anti-governmental movement. F Trudeau is probably their dominant slogan, which is kind of ironic because Trudeau, the federal government controls relatively little of the, uh, the health and safety va- uh, mandates in Canada. It's mostly at the provinces. It's mostly right-wing governments like Jason Kenney, Doug Ford, the rest of them. Uh, but they're they're not so. But they've uh, for their political purposes, they're targeting Trudeau. Uh, now, obviously, we're opposed to Trudeau, but for different reasons and in different ways. And they're they're just uh, this has become a blockade now. So they went to Ottawa. They they had a reasonable size demonstration where estimates were about 10,000 people, something like that, which is not small, but it's not huge. It's not it's not earth shattering. Like I've been part of demonstrations uh, with uh, tens and hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, for example, last weekend in Toronto, that they, they they had a sympathy demonstration they had about 3000 people out again not small but i've been part of union demonstrations uh, at the uh, provincial legislature at the same location with 50000 people so many people you're packed in like sardines you couldn't move at all so this is not a mass 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 movement but it has got a a reasonable level of support in society i think there were a couple of polls put them at something like 32%, although I may note it, point out that today a poll came out putting them down at 22, that they've pissed people off sufficiently. Because, but after that demonstration in Ottawa, they started an occupation, a blockade, and they've been just honking horns constantly, really, really impacting working class population that lives in downtown Ottawa. Uh, and, and shutting down the mall and shutting down businesses. People are very angry. And, and, and the police have been totally uh, passive and let them do all of this. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I think one thing that you just explained with is important is we shouldn't overblow this. It's not like there's millions of people on the streets uh, it's not like there's even hundreds of thousands of people in the streets. I've, I've been involved in demonstrations in Quebec during the 2012 student strike with 300, 400,000 people on the streets. This is nothing of that magnitude. But we also have to admit that it's not insignificant. It's not a tiny number. And yes, they do have uh, some, there is some broader support in the population or maybe just maybe some sympathy with this from a broader layer of the population. So I guess the question that I would have is, yeah, why is why is that? Why why is this movement, this sort of anti-vax movement, uh, have have a, have have some significance? Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to speak to that. Yeah, thanks, John. Well, it's it's straight from your introduction. We are living in a revolutionary epoch. We are living in a condition of capitalist crisis. The status quo is failing all about us the status quo sucks to to put it frankly and that doesn't necessarily lead to society automatically going to the left it doesn't automatically go to the right what it does is the middle the so-called center collapses And, and and you're seeing that that's a global phenomenon the collapse of the middle and polarization polarization people looking for radical answers, either to the left or to the right. And this is the situation that the the right wing have uh, managed to capitalize on this discontent with the status quo. 
this failure of the establishment, failure of government, and put forward very militant tactics, very, very militant tactics in this process of polarization. So yes, they've got the momentum. And frankly, they've had brave and uh, courageous leadership in their reactionary ideas, in their reactionary ideas. I, actually, I, I just take a sort of sidebar in terms of talking about their reactionary ideas. Some people on the left would be all confused and say, oh yeah, this is progressive, this is anti-governmental control. Um, I'm sorry, comrades, you've mixed up revolution and counter-revolution. These people leading this are very reactionary. Some of the work, there are working class people who support this for confused reasons, but the leadership is incredibly reactionary. Actually, one of their uh, main ideas is for a coup, in essence, bring down the government with the governor general, the, rep the unelected representative of the Queen of England, to appoint an emergency government of them, a dictatorship, which would then eradicate all COVID measures. And I would hesitate to say, wouldn't hesitate to say they would go on to eradicate democratic rights and trade union rights and issue it. So this, this is a wet dream of the far right, uh, a dictatorial government. And this isn't something fringe. This isn't something, well, it is something fringe, but it's not fr something fringe for them. It's not something peripheral that's on a, you know, a, a position paper that nobody ever reads. Uh, I did some undercover journalism at their uh, demonstration. And this is what they're talking about on, on the platform. This is a major point for the governor general to kick out the government and put in a dictatorial government of them. So uh, th this is you know, uh, what these people are all about. And it's not the majority support. You know, we said that they had 32%, it's gone down to 22, but, the, but there was two thirds of people opposed them. But the left-wing side has got no leadership. Absolutely failure of leadership. And I'll pass it back to you, Joe. Yeah, I think that ends uh, quite segues naturally into the next point that we should talk about, which is where... <laughs> Where is the labor movement? Where has been the labor movement, uh, to be honest? Uh, and which, which explains, uh, we, we talk about polarization in society. There's anger. Workers are angry. Truckers are angry. For very good reason, truckers are angry. <laughs> uh, most truckers are angry about their horrible living conditions, their wage erosion over the years. Trucking used to be a decent job where you could, a uh, decent job, you could, you could, you could uh, uh, raise your family on these jobs. And now it's very, uh, the real wages have dropped down to around $40,000 from six figures, what it used to be in the past. Uh, but, but not only truckers, nurses, obviously, everyone knows the abysmal state of the healthcare system. Uh, teachers forced to work in unsafe conditions with little to no uh, extra investment or staffing or safety measures. Um, uh, and workers of all sorts, frontline workers uh, uh, in the supermarkets and in other and, and service jobs and whatnot. Uh, and with Omicron, everyone's getting COVID, and there, a lot of a lot of it is just uh, you have to work in these conditions. Um, so I guess the, the the you know you can see this compounded on the the rising inequality, the crisis of the capitalist system, environmental destruction, <laughs> uh, police brutality, racism, all the movements you see. We have COVID. We have uh, uh, and, and, and people are angry. People are looking for an outlet for that. And, and I guess that leads to the question. It's like, well, yeah, where, where's the labor movement? <laughs> where's, where's the left? Uh, and, and how does that interact, I guess, with this, with this truckers movement? Yeah. So, so there's been a total vacuum of leadership from the labor movement consistently through the pandemic. In the early days of the pandemic, there was a wave of work refusals. And what were the labor bureaucracy doing? they were sheepdogging the workers back into work, saying, no, you must listen to the boss, you must do what you're told. Well, there's this spontaneous desire to resist from working class people and the bureaucracy, it's, it's acting like a, a second arm of the state. It, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. And, and last year there was this, uh, you know, in the, uh, the Delta wave in Ontario, there was this huge movement for paid sick days and work refusals to achieve paid sick days. 
the the labor leaders refused to get involved refused to coordinate work refusals and here, here you've seen the right wing are they not afraid to break the law they're not afraid to break the law like yeah this occupation of ottawa it's massively illegal uh, and the police are saying we are powerless we are powerless well in fact the working class is way stronger than any of these trucking company owners it's not truckers actually truckers are overwhelmingly from pakistan india sri lanka from these countries they're not they're not represented they're not represented that they're not raising the issues of low pay and overwork and and all the health and safety problems from you know truck crashes because truckers are tired stuff like that no this isn't a working class truckers movement this is a truckers owners movement combined with anti-vaxxers and but the labor movement is has not only been doing nothing, they've been actively demobilizing. Teachers, another example. So you had the reopening of schools in Chicago. There was fantastic uh, walkouts over unsafe return to school. Now exactly the same sentiment existed amongst Canadian teachers, and and the key demand was reduce class sizes, reduce them to 16, 15 or 16, half the class sizes, so that you could have the proper physical distancing and all the PPE and all the ventilation. Governments won't spend that money. Uh, and, and actually that is one, one reason for the anger out there is the hypocr hypocritical regulations by, the, by federal and provincial governments that on the one side they're cracking down on people's civil liberties while they're completely maintaining everything that is profiteering and in favor of corporations so people see that hypocrisy and so but on the one side you can lead to well if none of it makes sense just get rid of all of it but uh what really should be is workers action for paid sick days 10 days more more than 10 days uh, it should be reduced class sizes and it should be workers control of health and safety. And the labor leadership has done absolutely nothing, not even a strongly worded letter to achieve any of this. And the right wing feels that fills that vacuum. Yeah, precisely. So I think really this movement is not all that surprising because something, something has to step in, right? And if the left doesn't fill that vacuum, if the labor movement doesn't fill that vacuum, people are pissed off against all levels of government, against, I would say, against either consciously or unconsciously, against even the, the whole capitalist system and the state itself. And are looking uh, not for a nicely worded letter, not for a parliamentary debate, as Jagmeet Singh is putting forward in the parliament now on this, this, this convoy. They're, they're looking to fight. <laughs> they're looking to struggle. They want to, they don't have uh, any, anyway, people are looking for a movement that they can, uh, they can, they can join and something to do, you know, and, and that has not been, uh, they have not been enabled to, to do this. So uh, yeah, I, I think before we move on, I just want to take a, a brief commercial pause. You are listening to uh, uh, this week in the Canadian revolution, a podcast put on by fight back. And we are, we are a Marxist organization in Canada. And, and, and we appeal to you to, to, to join the fight for socialism, to join the fight for socialism in our lifetimes, to join the fight for socialism in Canada. You can go to our website at marxist.ca, uh, subscribe to our paper, our, 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 our magazine. We have a, 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 we've just gone fortnightly. We now publish every two weeks, Fight Back. Uh, you can go to marxist.ca slash subscribe. Uh, get your subscription. That would help us greatly. You'll get a, every two weeks a Marxist analysis uh, uh, delivered to your door of Canadian politics. Um, uh, yeah, and we also have the biggest Marxist meeting in Canada coming up in less than two weeks now, the Montreal Marxist Winter School. Of course, it's not going to be in Montreal this year. Omicron is not allowing for that. It's going to be on, but what, that means more people can attend than ever. So it's called uh, the Montreal Marxist Winter School. You can go to our website. There's an advert there. You can please register uh, to attend. We have a good line, a great lineup of presentations uh, for three days uh, on, on, on various subjects um, uh, to help educate people on, on Marxist theory, on history, uh, um, and on, on politics today, uh, and a Marxist analysis of that. So um, I guess, um, yeah, please join us. Uh, go to our website, 
And uh, yeah, Alex, you want to come in? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's absolutely vital that people do go and sign up. None of this happens for free. None of, none of this happens easily. It happens because of support of people like you, like working class people, young people, uh, people who want to change society, that you've got to get a subscription and you've got to join up. And yeah, come to the uh, Montreal Winter School. It's amazing. It is the largest revolutionary event in Canada. We'd have over a thousand people last year. We're going to get even more this year so you gotta sign up join this convoy join the revolutionary convoy the the armored train of uh, revolutionary marxism and uh, and, and make that change and and do it at marxist.ca uh, slash subscribe or go to our website yeah so we getting back into the 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 main topic of discussion here um so yeah we have this truckers convoy uh, organized by far-right forces, capitalizing on the vaccine mandate question, uh, filling a vacuum of sorts, uh, left by the lack of labor leadership. Um, and now you still have this occupation in Ottawa, uh, and in there are demonstrations occurring in other cities as well. I guess, you know, connected to the, 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 the labor leadership and the left, the question uh, is, is, the, is uh, you know, there were, there were calls for counter-protests and there were some counter-protests called uh, uh, in some cities against these people. Um, and I guess the, the, this leads to the question is, uh, there's, there's a bit of a scandalous fiasco that, that occurred with some of these counter-protests. I don't know if you want to speak to that, Alex. Yeah, the only way to defeat the far right is by mobilizing working class people. And, and there's, a, there's, but there's a reformist sector that says, oh no, well, 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 we don't like the far right, they're racist and they're fascist. Actually, they talk about they're fascist, they're fascist, they're fascist, they're fascists. Well, if you've read a little bit of history, if they were actually fascists, then we should be forming armed workers defense guards. If there's a movement of thousands and thousands of fascists with 32% support in the population, the immediate task of uh, the labor movement should be armed workers defense guards. The reality is this movement is not fascism. This movement is right populism. It's to the right of, of mainstream conservatism, absolutely. There are fascists involved in this movement but it is a right populist movement. Let, let's not confuse what it actually is. It, is. it is not a movement that is actively killing people on the streets. Um, it's got some people who would like to, but that is not the sort of majority characterization of this movement. But the way to oppose it is to mobilize working class people. Actually, the classical example is the Battle of Cable Street in 1936 in, in London, England, that uh, 10,000 fascists uh, were marching through working class and Jewish neighborhoods, and they were faced by over 100,000 workers, trade unionists, socialists, Jewish uh, groups, and smashed them, despite the fact that they were defended by the police. And that, and that broke the back of British fascism. So the only way to sort of oppose the, the far right is by mass working class organization. And then, but then you've got these uh, reformist organizations say, oh no, no, we must rely upon the police. We must rely upon the state. And don't, don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. There's picture, there's repeated pictures of cops, you know, with hugging these uh, COVID idiots, hugging these far right organizers. You know, I, th I think Jagmeet Singh is like, oh, we need more laws against this. There's there's plenty of repressive police laws. There's plenty of repressive police laws and, and are used repeatedly against uh, Black Lives Matter and, and, and Wet'suwet'en indigenous groups and the working class. There's plenty of oppressive laws. Just the state uses its discretion. It doesn't want to act. So the only alternative is for workers' organizations. And, and we've talked about the labor movement, labor, labor leaders being passive. Uh, I'm reminded of that meme. There's, there's that sort of like uh, that, that guy who's like, you know, I sleep and then I act. Well, this one is, you know, uh, defending workers, labor leaders, they sleep. But when workers and people rise up and say, we want 
to organize counter protests, they act, they act to shut it down. It was an utterly scandalous um, event in Ottawa that grassroots mobilization, so we're gonna, yeah, the working class of Ottawa is utterly sick of these yahoos organizing to do a counter protest and the unions union leaders pretended they supported it, organized this meeting. And then at that meeting said, you must cancel it. You must cancel it. You must cancel it. And, and, and using identity politics in, in, a, in a horrendous manner. I said, Joel, maybe do you want to take that up? Yeah, well, the main argument, this, this also occurred in Edmonton, actually. There was, a, there was big calls. Uh, well, a, a guy posted a TikTok video, actually, calling for counter demonstrations against these people. And he was berated. And he ended up two hours later canceling the demonstration. Now, luckily, uh, I think one person that called for it in Ottawa canceled the demo, but the other guy held out and said he would not cancel the demonstration, which was good. The main argument, and actually the main argument was uh, it'll be, uh, it'll endanger uh, black and indigenous people of color. Uh, well, guess what? They're already in danger by this. <laughs> uh, it's not like the vast, especially in, in a place like Edmonton, the majority of homeless people, the majority of people, homeless people are indigenous. The, you think that these people aren't a threat. Some of them are definitely a threat. And so it's to not organize is to actually cede ground to them as that you can't fight these people with these methods. And I think this has actually showed the, an absolute uh, bankruptcy of identity politics, which is, 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 is a claiming if all sorts of things, fascism, white supremacy, using all the most radical terms possible to denounce everything. And then not only refusing to mobilize, but a lot of people using these arguments to shut down real mobilization actual fighting racism, <laughs> actual fighting of fascists, some of them are fascists, yes, in the real world on the ground. Um, so uh, yeah, really, that's, that's kind of what happened. Now, luckily, counter protests did occur. Uh, there was such opposition and such anger that they did occur. They were smaller than they should have been, to be honest, though. There was, if, if it wasn't for the active sab sabotage of, of labor bureaucrats, with uh, different identity politics leftists that, that really tried to, to, to torpedo mobilizations against these people, which is surprising. Uh, they would have been much bigger. But yeah, there have been some counter protests uh, and really that's the way to go. As you've st stated, you can't rely on the state, you can't rely on the police to fight the far right. You can't rely on that. And it's really surprising. People that a year or two ago, we're all talking about defund or abolish the police or now use the police. Uh, it's like, no, we can't. This is not our state. The police are not our, they're not on our side. And you can see this even, even the, in the way uh, there was a police officer, there was some police officers assaulted actually by some of these people. And they, no, there didn't seem to be any arrests here, which is absolutely, which shows the role of the capitalist state. Uh, is they'll clamp down on indigenous protesters, they'll clamp down on environmentalists, they'll arrest them, they'll brutalize them. Uh, workers on strike, they get, they get the full brunt of the law. Uh, the far right demonstrate, can't do anything, can't do anything. Uh, so no, we should not be relying on the state uh, and the police. Um, I guess that we've been going on for a little while here. There's another uh, topic that I think also has happened in the middle of this, almost, spurned, almost has caused, sparked by this, is the Conservative Party of Canada. So this is in the political sphere of thing, of things. Has uh, has turfed their leader, Aaron O'Toole, in the middle of this. Uh, which uh, I don't know. Do you want to explain what's what's happened here and what relation does this have to the the convoy? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the convoy uh, went to Ottawa with the slogan "F Trudeau," but they ended up effing O'Toole. <laughs> right? He was the first casualty of the convoy, and uh, and we've got you know, no love lost uh, for. Aaron O'Toole, but uh, he, he lied to the Conservatives. He, he got hoisted by his own petard. He, he lied to the rank and file of the Conservatives. Uh, in the Conservative leadership election, Pete, Peter McKay was the, uh, the sort of red Tory, moderate, uh, socially moderate, but economically conservative candidate. And O'Toole, ran as the true blue conservative leaning upon the, uh, the social reactionaries, the social conservatives, the anti-abortionists uh, and, and that wing of the party. And that's how he won. But then when it came to the election, he ditched the right wing and tried to be Trudeau light. 
And, and there's a certain logic to this, to be honest, from a conservative perspective, because the majority of Canadian working class opinion doesn't like social conservatism. That is the way that liberals win elections, is by demonizing the bugbear of social conservatism. And, but you can't win the party leadership without being the conservative party leadership without being uh, uh, the, having the votes of the uh, the religious fundamentalists and uh, and this reactionary wing, socially reactionary wing they're all reactionaries and uh, and so Tr O'Toole was too crass in doing that so he got ditched he was uh, stabbed I wasn't stabbed in the back he was stabbed in the front and uh, it, he, I think something like 60, 70, 60 or 70 percent of conservative MPs uh, voted to kick him out. And, and now it looks like there's going to be a coronation for the candidate of the far right, Pierre Polyev. And he is a piece of work. Uh, Joel and I had a discussion before this and decided we weren't going to swear on this podcast uh, and, 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 and there are points where that is very difficult and this is one of them. Uh, so I'm gonna say Pierre Polyev is a piece of work and uh, a total reactionary, but in launching his conservative leadership bid, very interesting, very or disgusting, but interesting. Pierre Polyev, a career politician who's never had a job in his entire life is supposedly the candidate of the working class that is going to fight against entrenched interests and the billionaires. That's how he pitched it. So if the far right candidate from the conservatives can talk about the working class and attacking the billionaires, why can't the labor leaders? Why can't the NDP? These people know something. These people know something and they're, they're not afraid of uniting electoral politics with movement on the street, a reactionary movement on the streets. We need a working class, a socialist movement on the streets with an electoral expression that is organically linked to it. But there is this uh, complete divorce, complete divorce uh, between the labor leaders and the mass movement and the NDP leaders and the working class. And they can't even use the word working class. They pretend that working class people don't exist. And when they do that, well, then the far right pick that up and then get the same as Trump, get to pretend they're the workers party. Yeah, exactly. I think this is this is quite interesting what's happening. Uh, and it actually tell, it tells us something about the polarization in society and the different forces. Uh, uh, I think o O'Toole was kind of like the Jagmeet Singh, but for the right wing, <laughs> is that the conservatives didn't really like him that much. He was pretending to be He's like a little bit more right wing than Justin Trudeau in the sense that Jagmeet Singh is a little bit more left wing than Justin Trudeau. And he, he equally pisses off socialists who just want him to be more bold, want him to be openly socialist, can't use the socialist word, doesn't talk about the working class, uh, labor leaders equally. Uh, and I think this is connected to the general left in Canada, which has abandoned, generally speaking, a working class perspective, has been driven into all sorts of I'd say ABCs, anything but class ideas. Uh, and this has allowed the right wing. And guess what? These, the, the right wing are not stupid. They know the far right, is, particularly, they know who they have to win. They have, the working class is the overwhelming majority of society. Why do you think they've draped themselves? In the, the truckers, the truckers, most of them are not working class people. They're not truckers. Actually, one of the main uh, people who launched this movement uh, is an owner of a trucking company. <laughs> they're not truckers, they're the bosses. Uh, uh, but they know that they have to appear as though they're defending the workers and speak to that. Uh, and definitely uh, Pierre Polyev is doing that precisely. It's a, it's a Trumpist type message. Not exactly. It's a bit more polished, of course, but he is denouncing the financial elites, denouncing the liberal party, uh, talking about working class people. Uh, and freedom. Yeah. And freedom. Yeah, yeah. And freedom, even though it's the opposite of freedom. <laughs> yes. And freedom and freedom. And of course, more freedom. Uh, very American, actually, <laughs> in the way that it's talked about liberty and freedom. Uh uh, yeah, so this is, uh, I, I really think that this is connected back to the role of the labor leaders, the labor leaders, this, this should be easy to unmask, right? 
this guy has not worked a job in his life. <laughs> he, it, he's a career politician. These people have no, it's like Trump speaking about the working class. But this only makes sense if there isn't a credible anti-establishment left-wing force, which there currently is not, unfortunately. And we want to build that. <laughs> so that leads me to back to, you know, you listen to this podcast. Well, we are not only discussing, we are also organizing in the real world. We are fighting to build the forces of Marxism in Canada and internationally. We're fighting for socialism, for a socialist alternative to these people, for a socialist solution to the crisis of capitalism. Uh, and that's how you can undercut any support that these people might have or are trying to gain. Uh, and that's really the danger here, right? You, the left, the labor movement needs to adopt a socialist program. And so, yeah, please join us to help fight for that. Marxist.ca, uh, you know, Marxist.qc.ca in French, uh, and subscribe to our paper. Uh, uh, sign up for the Montreal Marxist Winter School, the biggest Marxist meeting in the country. You can all find it on our website. Um, yeah, just I guess uh, there's a few more points here, political points to uh, to finish off on. Um, uh, you know, everyone knows Jason Kenney. The he's 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 well known, right wing, uh, probably the most right wing premier in the country. Uh, uh, passed uh, uh, critical infrastructure bills targeting indigenous and environmental protesters. Well, where are those critical infrastructure bills, and where is Jason Kenney now that critical infrastructure is being blocked? Uh, do you want to speak to this, Alex? Extreme hypocrisy. Extreme hypocrisy. If, although the hypocrisy is dangerous for the capitalists because everybody sees it. Everybody yep. sees it. Yes. Yeah, so Jason Kennedy, pre premier, right wing premier of Alberta, after the uh, Wet'suwet'en indigenous protests and Black Lives Matter passed these bills to say that anybody uh, blocking critical infrastructure is going to, I think it's something like $10,000 a day fines and imprisonment and, and just the most draconian legislation. Now you've got these uh, anti-vaxxers are blocking the American border and nothing, absolutely nothing. And, and, and Kenny's like a little mouse. It's like, please don't. Please don't. And, and what's more, yes, these, and actually now, I think this morning, they blocked the uh, Ambassador Bridge from Windsor to Detroit. Oh, really? Right? Yep. So that, that's uh, new today. And uh, very audacious. So I'll give them credit um, for taking audacious action. I wish the freaking Labour leaders would do stuff like that. Um, but uh, the, the rank hypocrisy that so especially Jason Kenney and, and they ran the police lines there's video of trucks and tractors barging through police lines and they yes they slammed into a cop car they injured a cop no arrests no arrests no charges nothing Incredible. kid gloves right people see this though people see this and the next time there is an indigenous or uh, anti-racism or workers demo that gets attacked by the police, everybody's going to say, why don't you treat us like uh, the convoy? Right. I, you know, I, I, I put up a, a, an amusing post. It's like next time I organize a demonstration, I would like to request the Omicronvoy level of service from the boys in blue. <laughs> right. Um, but we know that's not going to happen. Uh, it, it also underlines why you cannot rely upon the state. You could only rely upon workers' organization. And actually, from the left, you do have this layer of people who see the hypocrisy. People do widely see the hypocrisy and then are calling on the state to clamp down upon the, the convoy and the, and the blockades. That's the wrong call. You should not be calling on the state to act. They're not going to act because they are puppy dogs with respect to the right. Uh, the only correct thing to do is send workers there to send people there. Yes, and then the identity politics crowd is saying it's unsafe to have a counter demonstration. Really? If you say that, when is it safe to oppose the far right? You know, it's like Hitler's rising up, Mussolini's rising up. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't oppose them. It's unsafe. <laughs> really? Really, you're giving an open road to these people. 
So, but but it expresses the hypocrisy and that weakens the state. It does weaken the state in the eyes of the population because the population sees how hypocritical and one-sided and biased they are. They are not a neutral arbitrator as the theoreticians of liberalism and reformism say. The, the state is not an empty vessel waiting for whoever is elected to fill it with content. No, it is a force of class violence them against us, the minority against the majority, and that weakens, and this hypocrisy does weaken uh, the state going forward. Yeah, precisely. So I think a lot of people, yeah, as you, as you, as you, you've explained here, a lot of people will notice this uh, completely different approach that the, the, the various provincial governments and states and the law has, that the police has towards these protests too to the other protests that we've seen, which have been uh, massively repressed. So any protests, any class discontent, any, any progressive movement from the left, uh, fighting against racism, uh, for indigenous rights, for indigenous land rights, uh, um, uh, against uh, tuition increases <laughs> uh, for the working class gets repressed and any for the far right, it's, it's baby gloves. That's really what we're saying. So you can't rely on the state. You can't rely on the police to clamp down those people. We can only rely on our own strength as workers and oppressed peoples. Uh, so I think that is a big takeaway from uh, this movement. I think more and more people will see that. That is a lesson that people will learn, uh, hopefully, and we will keep repeating it again and again and again. Um, so yeah, I guess back to the main point here uh, um, is uh, why this movement is happening. Uh, there was you know, millions of people essentially, uh, and this is totally, the way that this is totally common, this is what happens in capitalism, have been excluded from politics, right? So, so there's mass polarization and there's mass, uh, I guess like people are, they don't see themselves in the government. They don't see themselves in the political process. And so I guess the question I put to you is like, how can, what is the, what do the left do? What do socialists do? Like how, in this context, like what do we do to counter this movement? And what do we do to, to build our own movement, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. So, so understanding it, that uh, actually I, I was on yeah, listening to the radio the other day and a whole bunch of establishment journalists and saying, oh, we didn't, uh, we didn't realize that they were so well organized. We didn't realize there were so many people like this. When the reality is the establishment, liberalism, reformism, has narrowed acceptable public opinion and the political choices to, to such a narrow basis that millions and millions of people are excluded and don't feel and have total cynicism towards the status quo and if you don't give people a political option in you know the mainstream then they people will look for radical alternatives now due to the leadership and money and we didn't get to talk about american money funding these protests uh Actually, yes, the great Canadian nationalist of uh, Jason Kenney and, and the rest of them who, who rail about foreign funding of uh, environmental groups are totally silent about Trumpist American money funding uh, this movement. But uh, they've had some intransigent leadership and have managed to capture a certain sentiment uh, of the population to the right, anti-establishment but the overwhelming majority of the population who are also not represented by mainstream politics are anti-establishment from the left. Every single poll, uh, uh, was it 89% want redistribution of wealth and taxation of the rich, 70% want free education. You, know, you, you poll people again and again, 56% want socialism, 35% uh, uh, are sick of capitalism and only 25% support capitalism. Uh, the overwhelming preponderance of public opinion is to the left, not to the right. Now, people talk about rise of the right, rise of the right, rise of the right. No, it's polarization and the weight is on the left from the bottom up, although the weight is from on the right from the top down in terms of organization. So that's what we need, organization. We aren't outnumbered, we are out-organized. Was that Malcolm X? Yes, we aren't outnumbered, we are out-organized. 
we must demand, demand that the workers' organizations play the role that they were created to make. And that is what fight back. That's what the international Marxist tendency, marxist.ca, marxist.com. That is what we are doing. We are organizing. We are sick of the status quo. It is not just enough to comment. It is not just enough to bemoan, oh, woe is me, things are so bad. You know, I've, I've seen so many demoralized leftists. Oh, my God. I just want to hand them a, uh, something to put them out of their misery. And no, we are not despondent because we see that the majority of working class people, of young people, are towards the left and want to fight, but they don't have the vehicle. So join us. Join us. You must join us to create that fight back. Create that fight back and demand that the workers' organizations do their duty and actually lead that fight back. And not just under any ideas, under a consistent Marxist program, an educated uh, Marxist program that has learned the lessons of previous struggles. Uh, one, one of the definitions of the revolutionary organization is the memory of the working class. There's been over 150 years of working class history, going all the way back to 1848 and the writing of the Communist Manifesto. Workers fight, sometimes we win, sadly, mostly we lose because of bad leadership quite often. And, but through all of those struggles are lessons and we learn those lessons so workers don't have to lose in the future. We don't have to lose in the future. And actually, I'll give you a good example of a victory that in December, Maxime Bernier, People's Party of Canada, right-wing piece of work, uh, he was coming to uh, ex-university, previously called Ryerson University, to say, to, in, to deny indigenous genocide, to say that the name of the university shouldn't be changed, to replace the statue of uh, Egerton Ryerson, the founder, one of the founders of the residential school system, the genocidal residential school system. Socialist Fight Back Club on campus organized a coalition with others to say genocide denial is not a welcome on our campus. And by us organized, oh, and actually the reformist left tried to sabotage, tried to sabotage and said, no, 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 we don't. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. They tried to sabotage. They, they advised people to stay away, said it wasn't safe. There's a pattern here. There's a total pattern here of reformist cowardice and identity politics cowardice in action against the, the far right. Uh, thankfully, it didn't work. We kept organizing. We kept building coalition, brought trade unions on board, QP 4400, uh, teachers unions, uh, uh, other unions came on board. Uh, other socialist groups came on board. And guess what? By us organizing, the far right started fighting amongst themselves and they ended up uh, canceling their demonstration. It's a huge victory. You could only defeat the far right by organizing. So you gotta join us. Uh, you cannot be passive and you've got to learn. And that's why we've got the Montreal Marxist Winter School, 10 fantastic sessions on how the workers are exploited, how to fight rent increases, uh, 1972 Quebec general strike. Joel, uh, help me out here. Uh, there's, there's, there's seven more sessions I've missed. You know, what else we got? Uh, yeah, we have a session on uh, in the indigenous struggle in defense of a Marxist perspective, which should be very good. Uh, we have a session on Marxism and art, which some people often think that Marxism is only about economics or some sort of. Uh, a dry analysis. No, it's also about culture and art. It's about every aspect of, of humanity. Uh, we have, uh, uh, yeah, we have a discussion on Marxism and alienation. I think a, a lot of people feel alienated. They don't entirely know why. So we're going to try to, Marx wrote, wrote a bit about this. We're going to have a presentation and discussion on that. Uh, we have discussions on Marxist philosophy, on uh, the whole right-wing craze over uh, critical race theory, which is sort of mostly in the U.S., but I think it has in come to Canada somewhat. So we're analyzing what is, what is, what are the right wing talking about? What is, what is critical race there? What do Marxists think about that? Um, 
uh, yeah, we, we have presentations on a number of things. I mean, I don't need to list everything. You In defense of Marxism, yeah. Fred Weston yeah, we have, is uh, giving that. Yeah, we have Fred Weston from the the from London, from the IM, from the International Marxist Tendency, who will be uh, uh, presenting on In Defense of Marxism, the Marxist method and, and the importance of that today. Um, yeah, so those are the main presentations we have. You can go on our website, uh, marxist.ca, to see it, and, and please register. Um, I don't know. I think this is a fairly good place to to, to leave it off. I mean, uh, really, this this the, this podcast is a new thing we're doing. We're we're analyzing Canadian politics week in week out. The the convoy is you know normally Canadian politics is a little boring. This has made it a little bit more interesting. But honestly, the convoy is a warning. I hope that's the message you take away from this. It's a warning to the labor movement. It's a warning to the left. Uh, uh, Pierre Polyevre, it's a warning. They are trying to do a right-wing populist turn. They're, they are targeting the working class. They're trying to win support for an anti-establishment right-wing program. We cannot let them do that. The left wing must respond. The labor movement must respond with an openly socialist uh, 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 message, a socialist program and organization. Uh, pointing the finger at the ones who are really to blame for this. It's the capitalists, it's the bosses, it's their government, it's their system that has given hundreds of billions <laughs> flushed down the toilet uh, to the bourgeoisie, and we get nothing. Uh, so I think we need, this is what the left needs, an enthusiastic, uh, uh, a bold approach uh, to politics that can, that can really uh, channel the anger in society into a broad socialist movement that will undercut these people from the right. And that's what Fight Back is fighting for. That's what the international Marxist tendency is fighting for in Canada and internationally. So yeah, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. We're gonna try to do this every week. We might bring other people in from time to time to talk about different issues. Um, uh, yeah, and again, join us, uh, go to marxist.ca, subscribe to our paper, come to the winter school, uh, join us in uh, next week for this, but also join us in the struggle for socialism in our lifetime. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.